Greetings and welcome. Rob Simpson along with John Forsland. Very nice. A very nice way to welcome everyone. That's, yes. That's it is saying our name, our names first. Yes. Simmer and Forsland. And uh, by mm -hmm. the way, people, you know who John is because he's like world famous play-by-play -play guy, NBC, TNT, and of course, Seattle Kraken. If you're wondering who the hell I am, I've just been covering the game for 30 years on multiple television and radio networks, and now I'm writing about it for the most part on Seattle hockeyinsider.com boom and we have ourselves a finite amount of time so i'm starting the oh i opened the calculator i was trying to open the stopwatch and we're going to go 28 minutes today and in honor of 28 i am selecting greed larson drafted by the red wings showed up in the late 70s defenseman wicked drive as bruce martin used to say high hard ones like mm -hmm terrifying slap shot back then and he ended up being moved along to the boston bruins at one point he's a minnesota boy but man we used to enjoy watching reed larson unleash those slappers he could bring it he could bring it simmer yep who do you got i'm gonna go with well-known carolina hurricane alexander seven okay we'll get to that later what Come on, you got to tell seven tell us the you seven. want the story right now yeah right now alexander no. seven joined the Hurricanes in and around uh, lockout number three, the 2012-13 season. And I'll tell you what, he he had an, was immensely talented, right? A great goal scorer at a heavy shot, somewhat of an enigma, great years with Washington, came to Carolina, was a, was a pretty good fit for what Jim Rutherford was attempting to do at the time, keep the team relevant, get him in the playoffs, needed a sniper, he was that. But they were playing Anaheim, uh one night and he cruised by the anaheim bench and Corey perry was just sitting there along the bench and as semen went by he grabbed his stick and ripped it right out of his hands and put it in put it in their side of the bench and semen just looked at him and shrugged his shoulders and he didn't know what to do most guys would have gone head head over heels right into the bench and ripped the stick out of the guy's hands and whatever but it was kind of a defining moment for him in his uh, Hurricanes career. That's what I remember. That's the uh, first 28 I, I thought of today. So there you go. Very nice. So basically, yeah. you're, what you're saying here, kind of saying, is he just didn't have the <clears throat> to go back and get a stick. He, was, he, really, he, he wasn't he confronting Corey Perry. Let's just put that. Most people would not confront True. Corey Perry anyway, right? That's so I, I certainly wouldn't. I'll tell you that. So, so I can understand. He circled back and got a new stick. He went and got a new stick. Right. And then at some point, this Perry kind of laughed and shrugged his shoulders and threw the stick on the ice at the next stoppage. And they picked it up and life went on. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, technically, mm -hmm. uh, had a referee, a man wearing an orange band seen it, I would think yeah. that would be interference. It would be. Yeah. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to reach off the bench and interrupt. No, no you're right. not. Okay. It could have been close to the whistle. Who knows? Might have been after a whistle okay. in and about, but you can't do that anyway. <laughs> I don't remember all the details. That's beautiful, though. It's a great story. It sums up seven, I think. It might. I think that was the whole idea. Um, all right. We're talking Kraken. Uh, you and I have been at the rink a lot lately. You just got home from there. Uh, two sessions today. First of all, and I wrote about it on Seattle Hockey Insider today about the whole first session, second session thing, first group, second group. You can read into it to some extent, but you can't overread into it because they want to give guys chances to work with both groups. I mean, 
how much do you read into who's where? No, you can't read much into anything right now. They're coming off a, a bonding weekend where they took their off day and um, and utilized it for team bonding. And they reconvene on Sunday, and then they still have three preseason games left. The last one being a tune-up with maybe a couple of players that uh, a decision might have to be made on. Certainly the game that's up in Vancouver at Abbotsford on Wednesday night will be a younger group, and I think they'll have to keep some numbers around for that game specifically. Yeah. I would imagine the home game Monday night against Edmonton will be more or less an NHL lineup. There's a couple of guys that need to get some reps in, say, for instance, Jaden Schwartz, who's yet to play in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, Chris Drieger, who's played in Calgary in the on the split squad day, but hasn't had an opportunity to play at home yet. Maybe he gets an opportunity on Monday night. And Joey Decord, who hasn't had an opportunity to start a game yet in goal, uh, may get that in the remaining three games with possibly Grubauer getting the last tune-up uh, in Edmonton before the start of the regular season. So it's late, but it's early, if that makes any sense. You know, things will speed up here daily, but certainly as we tape this, I wouldn't read much into anything other than uh, basically the, the line's been drawn, I think, between the NHL group and others. But but certainly anything's possible. Yeah. All right. You you stimulated a few things out of that. Now Jaden Schwartz mm -hmm. hasn't played in the game yet. And on the exit media, uh, you know, at the end of the season, he said, Yeah, I've been bothered by this and that. He basically took all the mornings, pretty much all the morning skates off last year, skipped some practices. He's bothered. He thought he was going to be a healthy hundred percent. So what do we think's going on? Not much to other than giving him an opportunity to uh, just rest up a little bit more. He's been practicing every day, hasn't missed a practice. Yeah. So I, I just think it's it's numbers and getting to a, a certain lineup. And uh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play Monday night. And so if he does play Monday night, I say it's business as usual. He can't play everybody. Yeah. And the thing about this training camp is the Kraken as opposed to year one and a little bit better in year two. But this has been a real training camp. There are layers of players, uh, NHL veteran players, mid-range players with an opportunity, prospects who are trying to you know get their feet wet. You know, you can see the levels of the organization finally in this third year. So because of that, uh, they've had an opportunity to give some young players a, a real good look, and and why not? But we're now at a point where it's important for the veteran players to get their reps in. Layers of players. You're a poet and didn't know it. <laughs> the uh, Joey Decord situation, uh, if that's a that's over-utilizing that word, but Joey Decord versus Chris Drieger, if you will. He hasn't given up a goal during a period. He was very upset. I happened to walk into the dressing room after the Calgary game, and he was kind of lingering around. He wasn't part of the media thing, but he was kind of, I think he was ticked off because he lost that shootout. But otherwise, his looked really good. So how do you evaluate that backup situation right now? Well, it's hard for me to evaluate Drieger because I wasn't in Calgary. I was here. So the only, you know, thing that's a drawback about a split squad day is you can only see one game, right? So uh, the reports look pretty good. The box score looked pretty good for Drieger. He's looked good in practice, but the court has been excellent. The court's coming off uh, one of those seasons where you say, what else do you need to do at the American League level? Now's his time to either get a job or they're going to have a difficult decision and maybe there's another location for him, right? Same thing for Drieger. 
Drieger, to be fair, coming off a very serious injury, which held him out of action, as you know, all of last year, had a chance to get back at it in the American League, but it was Decord's team and Decord's mission. And Joey Decord played 26 playoff games and took them right to game seven overtime in the Calder Cup finals. So what I like about Decord is the fact that he looks really fundamentally sound. He's a strong, athletic goaltender. And he handles the puck better than Philip Grubauer and better than Chris Drieger. So it's in better than most goalies. So it's a different look when he's in there. Uh, it's hard to game plan against a team when uh, they play one way with a puck handler and another way with a guy who doesn't. It might give the Kraken, should he make the team, an interesting wrinkle for the opponents to look at. Um, but the team's going to have to be convinced that he's ready to make a strong contribution and play you know, in excess of 20 games because every number two in the NHL is playing around that number or even higher. Uh, you know, Philip Grubauer at his age and wear and tear and all of that, I think 50 to 55 games might be the number. And then you've got, you know, 25 to 30 games for the number two, whoever it is. Drieger's been able to do that in his career, but again, a long way back from a significant injury. Is Decord the next Spencer Martin. I mean, he has a lot more games experience than what we saw for Vancouver's backup that ended yeah. up flopping. They had, oh my God, this guy's the answer. And they brought in Colin Delia to be kind of as an emergency situation. And then when Demko got hurt last year for the Canucks, both backups didn't get it done and the whole thing went south. Yeah. Um, and that goaltender, Spencer Martin, has since been waived and picked up by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So if you waive one or the other, Drieger or Decord, there's a damn good chance they're get, he's getting snagged by another NHL club. And that leaves you with basically a backup who has to get the job done. That's correct. And, and, and really, you know, the next level in, at Coachella Valley will either be young Stesla, Czech-born goalie who's still with the Kraken, yeah. or Jack LaFontaine, who's there now. Yeah. Jackson Castor was in camp as a, you know, I'm not sure where that all lines up, but yes, that would, it would severely cut into the depth of the Kraken's goaltending. It's really good for an organization to have three guys that are capable because injuries do and will happen. We've seen it here. Yep. Um, and there's a team in the East, as you know, that needs a goaltender, no matter what they say. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are saying all the right things about their situation with Andre Vasilevsky, but they've lost their superstar goalie for eight to 10 weeks with back surgery. So they're saying that they can handle it internally with uh, Jonas Johansson, number one, uh, and others. But I, I got to think they're going to go out and either waiver pick up or trade for or see what they can do that way to get a guy in there that can help out because they're going to need that because you can ill afford a bad start. Right. So let's face it, if one of these guys gets waived and you're not carrying three. Right. No. You're you're roll, you have to roll the dice. Right now they have no choice. They That's have right. to, they're gonna have That's to right. wait for these guys. And Drieger has the bigger cap hit. So, you know, those things are always considered. But I mean, I think where everything is at right now, it's may the best goalie win, right? So to be fair to both of these players. Drieger, who, you know, had really good moments in year number one for the Kraken, had some nagging injuries, then went to the world championships and was writing a really good story yeah. and then had this major knee problem, which sidelined him the majority of last season. So to be fair to him, he's worked hard to be where he's at. He's got a real good shot at the number two, as we talked today, and so does Joey. And then 
the Kraken will worry about what happens next. But certainly this is a big week. This will be a great week to see, you know, how this shakes out and may the best goalie win. Yeah. Uh, Drieger, by the way, as you mentioned, world championships, he's playing in the gold medal game for Canada when he yep. injured the ACL. So right there at the end, it's unfortunate, right. unfortunate for him. We can also say, uh, Forzi, the uh, may the best defenseman win. Mm -hmm. And where is Riker Evans, our prospect, who yeah. uh, I believe it was uh, Mr. Tambellini who said he's a rock star. He told me that uh, after the development yeah. camp. Yeah. Where is he? Where? What? What are we doing here with Riker Evans? He's a threat. Every, well, Simmer, every day he hits the ice, it looks like he belongs in the National Hockey League. And yeah. so I don't know where this will be, too. I think there's a lot of things to take into consideration here. But again, this is a big week for Riker Evans. Vince Dunn missed practice on Sunday with a, a maintenance situation. So uh, we're not going to get a lot of information about that. Maybe as the week progresses, we will. I uh, don't have any reason to believe it's anything but that. That's what the coach said today. So Dunn should be okay. So no red flags for the fans or anything. But as far as Riker Evans is concerned, he too has done everything he needs to do at the American League level. Maybe they feel he could go down there and play more. I guess he could. But when you play a full season and you play 26 playoff games and you get right to the brink of the Calder Cup, I don't know what else can happen other than put your time in, kid, and we'll give you a call and bring you back up. But he is he's good enough to make the roster, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think that's shared by a lot of people. So, again, uh, they're going to give him a good, long, hard look. They're going to probably utilize him in power play situations in the games that he plays of the three that remain. And then see, you know, the six are pretty easy to put down on paper, right? And they are on paper. And Brian Dumoulin's look good. And Justin Schultz is a big part of the team. There's no doubt about that. He's anchoring uh, today at practice the first power play. So, um, and that's with Dunn being out of there. Evans had the second power play unit. So when you look at it, uh, Evans has played well enough to be right in the mix. If you had to put six defensemen on the ice, in my opinion, at the NHL level. So yeah. this is a tremendous story for a second round pick in the first draft. And that's the beauty of where the organization's at right now. We've seen this progression now. So now we've got, you know, Beneers who has come out of that draft. And now you've got Evans knocking on the door. And if you can strike on your first two picks and they, they play at the NHL level and play well, you yeah. got something. But as I watched Evans last year in the American Hockey League playoffs, I saw a player that was dominant, absolutely yeah. dominant at that level. 26 points in 26 playoff games, chasing the yep. Calder Cup. It raises so many other questions, though, because the, the Kraken have had that real nice righty-lefty balance, righty-lefty balance. Yep. You see a lot of teams struggling with that. They prefer to have right-left, right-left, right-left. He's a lefty. He's been playing the right, right side a little bit. He was with Alexiak the other night and did a hell of a job playing his offside. It, it, yeah. it got kind of handcuffed, and one time it was because Alexiak fed him a kind of hung him out to dry along the end boards with a pass. They got trapped early in the third period for probably a minute in their zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they eventually got it out. And, and um, there was a couple turnovers involved there. Shane Wright threw the pizza out there, but let's say he sticks. So you've added a lefty. Now you have to decide, okay, which one of these guys that you just referred to is on paper is either sitting in the press box or goes bye-bye. And, and that's a pretty dramatic drastic situation potentially will well, borgen will borgen's been sitting has been with the second group the last two day, last two sessions again do we read into that 
with that? No. No. I don't I don't think so. I, I would, you know, Dunn and Larson, Alexiak, Borgen, Dumoulin, Schultz. Those are your six defensemen. I think that that's fair. Yep. And then you've got a decision between Jason Magna, Kale Fleury, and Riker Evans. And the organization, the the conventional way to do this would be, first of all, they have to decide how many D they want to start the year with. Right. And given the schedule and an Eastern road trip, probably two extra defensemen might be the way they go. So they, for our new fans, you can only carry 23 players. Two of those will be goalies. Teams can either have one extra defenseman and a couple of extra forwards. Some teams, because of cap constraints, will only dress or 22 guys and put 22 guys on the roster. The Kraken should be able to put 23 on the roster, which would mean two defensemen, one extra forward, right? So if you look at it that way, the conventional thing would be the younger player without waivers goes to the minors and starts. That would be an easy thing to do. Yep. If Evans continues to bust the door down, yeah, and this can happen. I remember a few years back, Braden Point in Tampa just bust the door down this last camp and said, I'm not going back. I'm here. I'm a young player. Give me an opportunity. And, and they never look back from that guy. And he's a tremendous player. player. Uh, this appears to be a situation like that in terms of my observations. That's what I'm looking at. Um, so then you have Magna and Flurry both have to pass through waivers, I believe. So you, know, you would do that. That's what happens next weekend. Uh, we see players on waivers right now, but most of those players, you could ticket to the American Hockey League anyway, right? The next weekend will be the difficult decisions, and there'll be players available to help other teams. So any of these guys could be of value. Flurry didn't play much last year. I think it was a dozen games, right? But he's a right-handed D. That's not easy to find. He's a good yeah. young player. He moves the puck well. He's got good mobility, good team guy. Uh, really, you know, when you sit around as long as he did last year, I saw a guy never had a bad day, never got sour about his situation, went through it, and did well with it. Magna's in the same boat, had a good year with San Jose, came here at the end of the year, was a hard lineup to crack. He's popular with his teammates. He's got some veteran status in the league. He's an easy guy to pull in and out of the lineup, right? But if he's available, big body, a lefty, you know, would another team be interested? Maybe, you know, are the Kraken worried about that? They might be, but the best players have to play in the National Hockey League. And Riker Evans, to me, looks like an NHL player. He really does. This week will tell us a lot. By the way, yeah. Uh, Flurry, like Magna, also, yeah, not waiver eligible. So he, he's well into his second contract, a, a right. 24-year-old defenseman. So we have big lefties. That would be the argument in terms of, okay, if you if you definitely keep, if Evans is there, Magna's the guy who's out because you've got yeah. large left-handed defensemen. they got decent yeah. size along the blue line without him in yeah. the lineup, in the top six already. Yeah. So Flurry's a nice, as you mentioned, a righty to have around. And then Riker becomes your your rover replacement guy that can fill in if if need be. Well, and and I think a decision would be made. Say, let's just throw stuff off the wall here. Say he makes a team, okay, Evans. Yep. Say he makes the team, and if it's a situation where the Kraken are playing well with what they have dressed, and it looks like a pretty much a set lineup, and they're off because the first ten games are tough. And if they get off to a real, if they split those games, I think the Kraken are going to have a very good season. I really believe that. When you look at who they play, they play Carolina twice. You've got the Rangers, Colorado, Vegas. I mean, it, it is a, a tough, tough October, right? And so if they're able to get 10 points somehow, 
I think the team will have a good year. And if Riker is not playing, uh, that's not good for him. So then they could make a decision as we get into the schedule. But we're just talking about this week. We're just talking about who goes to Las Vegas and who's available to play on October 10th. And as of right now, based on his preseason games and his everyday practice uh, habits and the way he looks on the ice, uh, the young man does not look out of place at all to me. Right. And he can go up and down. Uh, the waiver part is not a threat. You can't, you can't be claimed. Uh, we have about seven minutes left in our Reed Larson Alexander 7 special, honoring the number 28. <laughs> a, a guy that fans love to ask about, they seem concerned about, and it, part of it's his backstory, fourth overall pick, 2022, Shane Wright. So yep. what do we think? He's been with the first group. He's there again today. He's getting plenty of reps. He's getting plenty of looks. And is that the whole idea? Let's give exercise this through. What do we have? Well, the good news is, to me, he looks like a different player. So that's good. So he's come back to the good, right? It's come back positive. So he worked hard. He looks a little lighter to me. And I don't mean that being frail. I just mean I think he's in better condition. I think he's in better condition. That will come normally as he physically matures. And then you watch how he, he's played, and he's played well. His, his game here the other night was strong. He is a center. There's a lot of responsibility, NHL level. Yep. They have four centers that you can write down on paper, and that's the way it looks. As you go down the list here with Beniers, Wenberg, Gordon, Belmar, here you go again. you got a situation for Shane Wright. I don't think he's on the wall. I don't think he's a winger. I think he's. they want him to be a center. And in order for him to play that position, play it well, again, he might, and we're throwing stuff off the wall, he might need to season long and hard at the AHL level if he's allowed to play there. Now, officially, that decision has not been made public yet, so I don't know it completely. I'm sure the team knows. They know. But, it it but sounds it, like he, it's... It, it sounds like he can go there, right? Yeah. So if he can go there and play high-end minutes and be on a power play and anchor it and, and kill penalties if they want him to and get better in the face-off circle and play against real good pros, game in, game out, and go there and just become the total player and be ready, Get him back to the NHL when he's ready. Don't do it again. I think they were in a tough spot last year. What were you supposed to do with him? I think Ron had every intention to make it good for him. I think the best thing for him at his age and what's happened to him with COVID and his junior career and all that and slipping to four, I think in his headspace, he needed to be in Seattle to start the season. And then they kind of figured it out along the way, but they recognized we got to find a spot for him. That was junior hockey. Then it was to the American League. And as the playoffs started in the American League, it wasn't all great. It wasn't all rosy for Shane Wright, but it got better as it went along. And he was in the lineup at the end. He was in that game seven lineup against Hershey. So that's good. And he was making a contribution, but he wasn't asked to be a top six forward. You know, now as he goes back as a 19 burgeoning 20, maybe that's there for him. And if that's the case, then he will be ready when the time comes. Because you want him to step in and be what he's supposed to be. You want every player to reach the ceiling of what's expected. And for Shane Wright, he's expected to be a strong centerman in the National Hockey League. Let's not get carried away with where his career is going to go statistically. Just that's the role. 
And, you know, again, this is a big week because I think it's been really good. I think the coaches like what they've seen. Management likes what they've seen. He'll get a good long look this week. But does he fit the ideal fourth center? I'm not sure because Pierre-Edouard Belmar is yeah. a fourth prototypical centerman right now in the NHL for this team in the now, not yeah. the future. And his face-off win percentage is 7% higher than everybody else's. For a right. team, it's not win very many draws. Right. Belmar right. winning it, and he's been looking good on the penalty kill, which is another thing that they're right. hoping to get out of him. So, yeah, Shane and Shane Wright's still just a kid. Right. And then there's other options on the wall, like Cartier, right? So, yeah. you know, whether Yamamoto's in there, Cartier's in there, Tanev's not going anywhere, he'll be on that line. So, you know, that's what that's what they're looking at. Do you want to carry a young two young players? I don't think so. I think if if Cartier makes the team and he's in and out, they might live with that for a while. Yeah. But I know, you know, listen, I've known Ron Francis a long time and his his ideal situation for any player is to go play somewhere, whatever level it is. And when you when you dominate at those levels like Evans was able to do, then you're ready. You know that you can't say that to be fair to Shane Wright. It's just you, he just hasn't had enough opportunity to do that but if he continues to do what he's doing this week that too will be a very difficult decision because the team still does not have a right-handed option in the in the center uh, slot the way it's lined up right now and i don't think that's a big deal but it could become one we'll right. see and in a dream world and maybe it's a year away it's veneers lefty number one and mr uh, right righty number two and uh, he has been good he's been flying around he's been creative yeah. Almost, I've seen moments like the old famous hockey phrase, trying to do too much. It's, there's been a few occasions where I've got, he is just so wired and right. so determined and fired up for this thing. Yeah. Mistakes well, made out of the passion and just yeah. trying to do too much. Well, the play he made on the Melanson goal the other night never would have happened last year. Right. He would have had the chance. He would have got flustered, and he wouldn't have had the presence of mind to go back, get it, and make a play. play. But watch the play that Wright makes. He finds the puck, and he shoots it. He attacks the net. No hesitation. Watch the pass right there. He throws it out to Melanson. So he was in the right place. He, he gets it off with authority. It's Demko makes a really good save. Wright gets the rebound, dishes back. Melanson gets the goal. It's a really good play. He played well in that game. He really did. He did. And I mentioned the turnover he had, though, coming out of the zone under pressure. Yeah. That was just a matter well, of he's trying to do something a little too creative in a situation where just get right. the damn thing out. At that point, yeah. you trap for 60 seconds, get the damn thing out. Don't try to make some pass. But that's, And that's what they'll learn right. in the American League, right? That's right. a really good point you bring up because those are the things you don't have time for. Right. The old many coaches have said this. I don't know which one said it first, but they said you, you don't learn at this level. Yeah. You learn somewhere else. Right. And and they're not going to have time for that. You know, if the team were not as good, if the team didn't have expectations based on what happened last year, but you go two rounds and you're in the seventh uh, seventh game of the second round. Uh, you're not coming back this year thinking, oh, we well, hopefully they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, I know internally the team believes they can go further. They want to take the next step. You heard McCann's comments in the offseason and others. They believe they can win. Yeah. And and the league is wide open. There's no team, all due respect to the champions, that's that far superior than another. 
So, you know, it's it's doable, but you can't waste time. And I don't say that disrespectfully. You can't waste time on little things where young players have to learn. Teams that have gone through the cycle like Buffalo, Ottawa, Arizona, Chicago, they're going to they're going to live like Connor Bedard's brilliant, but he's going to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, you're going to you're going to live with that. Patty Kane and Taves and those kids, they made mistakes when they were rookies, but that just comes with the territory. But if your organization's in that spot, you can live with it. But if this team is not, this team has got too many veterans who want to kick at it. And you got to have a reliable guy like Belmar, I believe, in that role. Yeah. Good passion, Johnny kid. Good passion. Telling you what, by the way, Vegas, not only is there other teams not right there with them in the league, how about in the division? But we'll say right. that. Uh, we'll next, that. next time around, we'll go 24 minutes. So start thinking of your favorite number 24. Okay. We'll only go 24 next time. And you brought up a name, Cartier. We'll get into uh, Ty Cartier next time. And I'm also going to bring up next time something we've not seen that we always used to see in a preseason training camp. Kids giving it their... Mm, we haven't seen a fight. Can you believe that? I know. 20 years ago, there would have been... Three, I know. Three on the first day. I know. It's, it's I don't going know. the way of the mongoose, Simmer. Let's let's not open that can of worms yet. But no. We'll probably have a lot of fun telling some stories next time out. We have reached our Reed Larson Alexander Semin time limit. And uh, what an interesting combination of names, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Two completely different players, but that's the beautiful thing about hockey. Uh, Johnny Forsen, thanks very much. We'll see you next time. We'll see you at the rink. And hey, uh, we thank you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you.